welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast, where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Yes, hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thank you for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history, taken from the definitive AEW match guide, as ranked by over 30 wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on your podcast app of choice. My guest for today is a podcaster and writer for WrestlingHeadlines.com, the guy I'd probably call my partner in crime, Matt Mayer, aka The Implicant. And we're looking at Pack versus Orange Cassidy from Revolution 2020. How are you going today, Imp? I'm doing good, especially now that I'm an implicant from a Blade Runner. <laughs> That's <laughs> taking me to a new level. Actually, yeah, I've yeah, never but... asked you, where did the implications come from? Oh, it's sunny in Philly. Uh, ah, there we go. Yeah. I, I was really struggling for a name when I was signing up to the Laws of Pain forums to <laughs> do the Vice. So I'm really struggling. And I just watched that uh, sunny in Philly episode where they're talking about... Well, what's on the boat? They're definitely going to do something with me. Well, why? Why would they? Why would they? You know, because of the implications. What do you mean the implications? <laughs> you know, the implications. <laughs> that, is, that is a deep cut. Hours and hours of podcasts I've done with you. I've never thought to ask that. And the first time I get you on my podcast, it's the first question I ask. <laughs> um, look, as I said, um, we're doing Park vs. Orange Cassidy from Revolution 2020 today. We're looking into that. Before we do get into the match, though, Imp, uh, I need to ask, so you can tell the good people, what is your history with AEW? So I drifted away from WWE in about 2014. It was a, a year I personally wasn't in the best space, and WWE itself was doing the weird kind of pushes for wrestlers which clearly weren't ready. And you could feel it across the product. Something was just off. And that's when I kind of just drifted. Daniel Bryan had gotten injured. He'd gone CM Punk had gone. 2014 was quite a turmoil year for the fandoms. And I drifted over to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I thought I'd give the G1 Climax a go. I'd heard about it and I decided to actually give it a try. And I instantly just fell for it. And New Japan has been my number one since, pretty much. Uh, they kind of saved my fandom, and I've uh, kept up with them ever since. I'm currently writing a G1 Climax review in a year that's not been their hottest year. Those <laughs> other people have fallen off. <laughs> so uh, I'm still like a fully New Japan guy. But off of that sprang AEW, just to fast forward a little bit, because I can spend ages going year by year. <laughs> so, like, so it all sprang off uh, into AEW, and I've been watching since episode one, watching it grow, watching it improve, watching them kind of uh, the mistakes they've been making earlier on. And I would still include, like, you can still see, like, production mistakes within 2020. But they've been learning from that the entire time. I've watched them grow as a promotion. From the days of early Dark Order and whatever Brandy's <laughs> little stable was going to be called. The Nightmare <laughs> Just, Collective. Oh, that was it. <laughs> Just like the, and, but learning over time and yep. kind of earning that trust over a course of this course of two years to this point where we are now where it seems every single week is the best episode of Dynamite. And even in their kind of like lower shows, still build characters and have so many different news stories coming off of it every single week. It's been an absolute joy to watch AEW. Mm. But yeah, it springs from New Japan and I've just followed it since then. Yeah, that's a pretty common through line for so far the guys I've had on the podcast discovering mm you know, guys like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks through New Japan, Ring of Honor, and, and then following them through to, to AEW. We're actually looking at a match that's pretty early on in the history of AEW at Revolution 2020. Um, you know, that's about six months in to AEW at this point. Uh, and, you know, there were certainly some flaws early on, you you saw. But personally, I found the build-up to this match very, very exciting. And the build-up to this card, this pay-per-view, is really like the company hitting on all cylinders for the first time. And of course, you know, we will probably speak about it in the wrap up at the end as well. But after this, of course, we went into the global pandemic and I think AEW handled that very well, but I still remember the build to revolution extremely fondly. And 
I don't know if I can compare right now to it. It'll probably take, you know, a year to know if right now compares to that point because I'm I'm probably looking at it through rose-coloured glasses. But things were hitting on all cylinders and Puck versus Orange Cassidy was was very much a part of that. So um, to get into the actual match itself, just to introduce it, um, Puck versus Orange Cassidy was rated 3.75 stars by Big Papa Dave from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, Grapple currently rated 3.85 as of day of recording. Cage match, it's rated 7.75. And this match came in 14th on the definitive match guide that we did earlier this year on WrestlingHeadlines.com. Um, why did you pick this particular match? I've got to ask. It's not the first one that that most people go to when they looked at, you know, when they look at this uh, list of matches that we have to choose from. Because there's so many top tier matches from AEW. And I was thinking, well, there's going to be other people to talk about other matches, which uh, there may be, like, that's their style, that's their fandom a little bit more, which makes them, I guess, technically a little bit more kind of qualified to talk about that. Me, personally, I'm a massive advocate for comedy wrestling. <laughs> comedy wrestling is incredibly difficult to pull off, and there's only, like, a select few that can truly do it well, and Orange Cassidy is one of them. And it's and I kind of like again because my kind of life outside of uh, the wrestling stuff is like stand up comedy that kind of world. So I I'm all about comedy. <laughs> I yeah. like some comedy. I don't I don't get I like variety in the card as well. I don't quite like in a G1 climax. I don't quite understand why every single match has to be super serious. So like it's fine mm-hmm. to have a break. So that's my kind of thing. I, I, with comedy wrestling, I'd say the bar is really high for it as well. Mm. Like, if it's good, I agree. Really fantastic can be great, but not good comedy wrestling is really bad. Like, a, an okay match, you still enjoy it a little bit, but a just okay comedy match is, like, it becomes a chore. It can be awkward to sit through. I was at uh, at my local indie here in Newcastle, Hunter Valley Wrestling, a few years ago. They had a guy called Bubbles who shot people with a bubble gun, which is a great <laughs> premise the first time you see it, but it just never evolved beyond anything. And it was, you know, it was completely one-dimensional and, and everyone got over it very quickly. And, you know, people booted a little bit at first, but then it just became like, oh, they're doing this thing again, are they? Righto. And it just, <laughs> it's awkward. No one's reacting. It's annoying, like the performers find it awkward. So the bar is really high for comedy wrestling. I, I'm glad we're doing this match because I think it's something that, you know, is worth examining in depth. And as you said, Orange Cassidy and Pac put on a real clinic here in the way they, they sort of do things. In the in the build to this match, it's an interesting contrast of two two characters because in the build, you've got Pac, who's this guy that's placed right at the top of the company. In his first match, he beats Kenny Omega, and he goes on to have a program with Kenny Omega, a program with Hangman Adam Page. Uh, he has a match with John Moxley. You know, this is he, he beats Darby Allen even. This is a guy who is positioned right at the pinnacle of this company, and the match before this one is a match against Kenny Omega, the the 30-minute Ironman match that we talk, I talked about with Rich two weeks ago. Uh, you know, this is a guy who is an absolutely featured performer in the company. And Orange Cassidy is is in a much different position on the card up until this point. Uh, he, he initially debuts in the Casino Battle Royale on the pre-show for Double or Nothing. He He's sort of an added extra in with the best friends early on and, and does have a few interactions with Puck, but is certainly not positioned highly on the card. He, he's more of like a an auxiliary performer uh, up to this point. Had you, did you have any history with Orange Cassidy? Did you know much about him before you saw him in AEW? Uh, yes, I'd seen, like I guess, like the odd Twitter gif of him in different promotions, but GCW was where I'd seen him initially. And I can't, but he had, uh, like, he was one of those people to put on, like, a personal show for GCW, like, over WrestleMania weekend. And I'd seen him partake in other ones, but when I saw his, his card, it's got his name on it. I can't remember what it was called, but it was Orange Cassidy's something. And it was his show. It, like, honestly, it was Orange Cassidy. It probably would have been called Orange Cassidy something or other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were like, it was like wacky kind of ideas for matches like Trent versus Chucky in a 30 second match or something. <laughs> it's just oh, <laughs> like ridiculous stuff. <laughs> I want to track <laughs> just, this thing down now. 
So it, it wasn't the best GCW show of the week, <laughs> but it was it's, it's stank of Orange Cassidy. <laughs> so it was yeah. an interesting, it was a unique experience. Yeah, I, I think before the the Casino Battle Royale, I'd definitely seen him. I think I'd mm. seen just seen like a gif of him doing the kicks, maybe. Uh, and between the Casino Battle Royale and the next time I saw him, I remember seeing this really funny clip. I can't remember who posted it, but credits who did, um, of a match between him and a guy I think called Gentleman Jarvis, where Gentleman Jarvis puts him to sleep. Somehow he falls asleep in the middle of a match. A Gentleman Jarvis is trying to pin him without waking him up and trying to get the crowd to not make any noise so they won't wake him up. It's really, yeah. really fantastically done and hilarious as well. Um, because, of course, like, there's the one moment where they think they've woken him up and he just rolls over and it's like, oh, okay, we're out of it. And then, of course, wakes up at the end and they have this great finishing sequence. But very creative, very interesting. Um, given that we're talking about this guy and he's doing these very quirky, strange things, how did you think he would fit into AEW when you first saw him show up and become a part of the company? Well, because uh, AEW kind of implement that, that indie style that uh, a lot of just straight up PWG being put on t- television and they've kind of got that style. Yeah, I personally thought the angles and finishes at different yeah. points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just the fact that I thought because, because he's gotten over on the indies, I, was, I thought he would be fine, but that's my, that's my own uh, kind of thinking. My worry was, well, the wider audience, you, you saw it when he's uh, like made his debut and the amount of people that were just like, what is this? Is this guy a joke? Yeah. Like you saw those initial reactions and I was like, trust me, the fact, the thing that really got him over immediately was, was the crowds. Yep. I feel like the crowds really 100%. helped. Like those people who were in the know, who knew who he was and like me was popping along with the stuff. Yeah. Uh, all of his little, little initial moves. It was cool to see on the big television in front of yep. the crowds, but the, the crowds really helped get him over because immediately everybody knew they're all in on it. That's the thing that yep. really helps. And what comes across in this match as well, by the time he's having this match, everybody in that crowd knows how to react to Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Even though he's, yep. I, don't, I can't remember if he's had exactly. a match at this point, but they knew how to all react to what he was doing with the chance of like, he's going to try, which I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly just, you could see he was over and see that the crowd was loving him. But I just did not know how they could fit this character into the framework of AEW because, you know, if there was that line about them being a sports-based company, which people took wildly out of context. And what I think it's come to mean is that this is a company that takes the results of the matches seriously. Um, and there's lots of diff- other things that that could have meant. And it possibly did. They probably did think it was different things at the time. But the way that I've took that is that, like, you know, this is a company that does take the actual action in the ring seriously and the results of what happens in the ring, whether it be win, loss, draw, that has a real implication on what's going on, like a win or a loss or a draw in a sporting contest has an effect that lasts on the team, an ongoing effect, uh, and it's something that's recorded and something that's remembered and something that's harkened back to. And I just didn't know how you put a guy in who just – his whole stick is that he doesn't really care that much. Like he, he sort of doesn't care. And we're going to get into the character of the match because I think like his character really reveals itself in this match for what I think was the first time um, that he's got, you know, this more three dimensional formed character rather than this gimmick, which is fun and very interesting. You know, when the whole crowd's reacting to it, something that people can get into and something that people can get a laugh out of. Um, But I think in this match, you could see, how it all the whole package comes together for the first time. Um, now, I don't want to go too into Puck because I did cover that in depth two weeks ago with Rich, um, so it is well-trodden ground, and he, he is more of the like, the straight man for this match. But did you have anything to add about Puck at this point in his career, um, where he was, what you thought of him in AEW at this point? Well, because at this point, I don't think... Uh... Triangular de la Muerte were properly. A no, thing that yet. happened a couple of weeks name. later after this. I think in the week after, mm. actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they were together, but they weren't like together together. It wasn't that solidified yet. It's more like a loose kind of relationship where this helping mm. each other out a little bit. But at this point for me, Pac, he just uh, before joining AEW, he'd come off of like a mighty title reign over in Japan. 
and was this uh, like dominant champion, which was like a, which was a whole thing with the AEW World Title Tournament, was that uh, over in Japan they didn't want their dominant champion losing in a semi-final match for or final like for a different title. Uh, so that's why Pack was if, if I'm right, he was pulled from the match against Hangman, and we got like a battle royal instead. Uh, so Pack had come off that really dominant thing, got into AEW, and was a top guy, which you've probably all covered in the uh, <laughs> Iron Man show. But he did he had just been dancing with top guys in the promotion. So when he goes against Orange Cassidy here, this is Orange Cassidy versus a top guy, like mm. <laughs> which is which is kind of something as well. Uh, and yes, it's in that pre-main event slot, and it is. I think that's the th- other thing because it's in the pre-main event slot on the card. We were at the time with that because I brought this up on my AW review recently that. In AEW, do they really have the deathmatch slot? Is that actually a thing? <laughs> and this was like the first time I saw it in AEW, where I wasn't entirely sure that's going to be a thing in AEW. Like the pre-main event match got the crowd going crazy. <laughs> like yeah. it's, a... <laughs> and it happened on AEW this week. So I was like, oh yeah. But this was like the first time I properly felt, and that's not the answer to your question about Pack. <laughs> that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Matches <laughs> at all, but. Yeah. yeah, well, I think Dynamite and pay-per-views have got a very different, have got different mm. rhythms. The pre-main event match of Full Gear 2019 was Cody versus Chris Jericho for the AEW <laughs> Championship, so that's no, yeah. that's no piss break <laughs> before you get to the before you get to the main event. <laughs> With this match, uh, you know, getting into the build of it, these two first sort of hinted at the fact that they had fantastic chemistry with their characters um, in late 2019 when Pac and TH2 um, went up against best friends at Orange Cassidy and Pac and Orange Cassidy had their first little interaction and it was fantastic because you've got this guy who's just this no-nonsense badass, gritty, dark, well, it's his nickname, he's a bastard, he's serious, and he's not afraid to, you know, take take heads on his way to the top against <laughs> this this guy who's, you know, kicking his shins and 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 acting like this is all a joke. And the look on Pac's face is like, this isn't a joke to me. Why is it a joke to you? And I believe the first time that OC went to do the the little leg kicks, he got um, pump kicked in the face by <laughs> who did not did not take lightly to it. Uh, and then this was set up straight after the Iron Man match that. Um, Pack had with Kenny Omega on the Wednesday night before Revolution, um, where OC interrupted the post-match interview, strolled out during it, uh, and then as a res- as um, Pack was pissed off for losing the match against Kenny Omega, he took that out on Orange Cassidy. Later that night, it was revealed that they would be having a match, and of course, Chuck Chuck dropped that classic line saying, "Pack, you think he's a joke? Well, jokes on you." Because this time he's gonna try. <laughs> and the crowd <laughs> loved that. It immediately got a he's gonna try chant, and that comes back up in the actual match itself. As as you said before, you've got a background in sort of comedy. You've done interviews with comedians. I know you and your brother. Your brother's got a fairly decent comedy YouTube size comedy YouTube channel. Why does this match and this the contrast of characters make such great sense comedically in? Well, you've hit it. You've hit, hit it. You've hit on it earlier in this. In this, where it was like the straight man in pack, and then the pure silly guy. It's the classic comedy pairing. You got the straight man and the silly man, the yeah. idiot and the yep, smart one, yeah. <laughs> and they play off that two eighty. And the thing with the Orange Cassidy match, which is, again, if I'm bringing up the uh, just a G one type of thing, something that happens in the G one is everybody wrestles to the other guy's style. So each match is like a style of the two people. So when you get to the Yano match, everybody wrestles the Yano comedy style. Mm. <laughs> everybody tries to out Yano Yano in those matches. And that's what happened here with Pac and Orange Cassidy. Pac tried to wrestle Orange Cassidy's style of wrestling. <laughs> that's mm. what happened here. And the fact that both performers are all in, because it doesn't work if it's just Cassidy, which yep. in, in WWE, they'll either go full we've got this hilarious idea guys and you're gonna do this wacky thing and everyone's having a food fight yeah 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 something like that or you've got the comedy guy being the comedy guy and then the other one will just beat them up really quickly after they do like a 30 second bit or something Mm. like that whilst here the reason that it works is if you have that same example of big guy comedy guy for the first half or first little bit or sequences if the serious guy jokingly partakes in the comedy 
<laughs> that really does help get the comedy guy over. Mm. And Pac did an absolutely amazing job of this match mm. with Orange Cassidy. And yep. for me, that's like an absolutely massive part of it. It's the straight man kind of taking the piss, but he is yep. partaking, is willing to partake in the comedy. Because if he doesn't do that, then Orange Cassidy is just, he's up against mm. a brick wall of nothing. <laughs> so he yeah. can't really get his stuff in. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, we, we best get to actually get into the actual match and get into the action. Immediately, they do set up that dichotomy of the straight guy this serious badass ass kicker and and you know this lackadaisical guy who's not going to try and and you know isn't necessarily taking this so seriously where pat storms down to the ring intensity written on his face you know grumpy angry pissed off oc sort of wanders to the ring and then he rolls like like you know like a maybe a five-year-old would roll down a hill he rolls into the ring <laughs> and of course has the match has the has the glasses and the the classic denim jacket and jr gives a great line jr is is a fantastic straight man for this as well i think yeah sometimes he can be a bit grumpy and he doesn't necessarily do his like he doesn't always do you know compliment AEW all that well but in this match he does great line i've never seen him have a singles match i don't know if he ever has yeah. <laughs> and the crowd's giving the before they've even touched the crowd's chanting he's gonna try um initially cassidy refuses to move remove his glasses he uh goes for the pockets and puck intercepts because that's the absolute worst thing that could happen is letting letting oc put his hands in his pockets um i don't know what he's got in there but it powers him up or something <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, but OC counters the pockets part by tying him up, um, taking him down, and immediately Pac is shook and the crowd is on their feet. And that opens up the door to the Orange Cassidy character, which we're going to see develop here, where you've got this guy who, on the surface, appears to not care and probably doesn't care as much as, you know, some wrestlers do. But he is still a wrestler and still wants to win. And he uses this facade to lull the defences of the other wrestler and until they make a mistake. And then he uses his skills, which are finely honed, um, to take advantage of that. He he gets he kips up after tying Pac down, puts his hands in his pockets, uh, and you know, looks triumphantly, and then Pac gets up, pissed off, clotheslines him. You know, and then OC goes to close, goes to clothesline him and OC just nonchalantly dodges it. So immediately, like you've got someone who he's previously never really been shown to be like that big of a deal, but is immediately elevated to the level of being able to keep up with a guy who a couple of days earlier was on the same level as Kenny Omega. Um, Pretty incredible. I'm not going to go into all of the all of the, you know, the spots that we go through in the match. At this point, the crowd is chanting fight forever, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but in, what are some of the spots that you remember from this match, um, particularly, you know, in the first half, three quarters of the match? I'm trying, I'm trying to remember my favourite spot of the match. I can't remember where in the match it is. Um, it's, I guess it's two bits. Number one is when Pac starts to take in the kind of kicking the shins lightly as the crowd go, oh, Oh, which again is another example of everyone in the crowd is in on the yep. joke. They're all yep. in on it, reacting as if it's they're generally exchanging full-on super kicks yeah. <laughs> that are almost captivating them. Uh, but the pack joining in in that is uh, like well again, and of course, of course, eventually pack just forearms him in the face, <laughs> which I really like. Uh, but my favourite spot, which is exactly what Sam was talking about earlier, in pack luring them into a sense of kind of he's not even trying type of thing, and then just explodes was mm. when he was uh, rolling from side to side of the ring to avoid Pac doing the, uh, what's it, the red arrow, or black arrow yep. <laughs> in AW. Yeah, and it's just about, and the time where he rolls over, and Pac's, uh, Pac's got, he, knew, he knows he's going to do it now, so he just walks to the side he's going to roll to, then Otis Cassidy sees him, just laughs and smiles and rolls back into the middle. Yep. <laughs> <Pac>. into the <laughs> yeah. <cab>. Yep. <laughs> but immediately after, Pack is kind of like, he's like, kind of flop, uh, uh, angry around ringside walking. And Orange Cassidy jumps to his feet, bounces off the ropes and suicide dives <laughs> right into Pack in the barricade. Yep. Which yep. is exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, so well. to get to that point, right, like o- Orange Cassidy, he's, 
he isn't necessarily on Pac's level. And Pac does take over, you know, and and some huge offense by Pac. He looks like an absolute beast. Orange Cassidy sells so well. Where We talk about this guy as a comedy wrestler, but this is traditional pro wrestling stuff. He's a face. He's selling. He's showing that he's in pain. You know, there's giant Liger bomb that can't get the three count. Um, This guy's got grit. He's got fire to come out, but he's just got a bit of a different style. After an avalanche brain buster, Puck even pulls him up. After the two count, the two count happens, then Puck pulls up the shoulder because um, he wants to punish him some more because he doesn't like being embarrassed the way he does. Uh, and then when you, you know, then they go to the the rolling bit and you know what the crowd's chanting, <laughs> "This is wrestling." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. When when Orange Cassidy is rolling from one side of the ring to the other, and Pack is storming around the ring to try and get to him so he can hit the black arrow and try and win this match. Crowd is chanting, "This is wrestling." Um. I, You've kind of touched on it before, but do you think this could have worked without the AEW crowd? I mean, if it's an indie crowd, yeah, because they'd also be in on it. Yep. In a WWE crowd, uh, with their almost set or almost set studio press the button chants <laughs> that happen in WWE, as in you know what the crowd is going to chant most of the time before they even do it. I don't know if any of those would fit <laughs> into this style mm. of thing. It's all in the, I guess, all in the presentation, mm. I guess as well. And uh, the way that they've structured this match builds to that point. Because yep. before then, you've had Orange Cassidy, I think it was before, where Pac has like, launched him into the ring post and he's been down for quite a while. And this is his fight back. Yeah. <laughs> Orange Cassidy's equivalent, <laughs> whatever, which leads to him exploding into an actual fight back. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if it would have worked in WWE specifically. Everywhere else, probably yes. Because <laughs> the, the crowd needs to be in on it. And mm. indie crowds be on it. A New Japan crowd, they would probably get into it as well. The big example is Yano. They get into Yano, they'll get mm. into Cassidy. <laughs> It'll be all right. Yeah. But the, the crowd does sell it. If the crowd isn't yep. doing those reactions, then this match doesn't quite explode in the same manner as it does in the second half. Mm. Yeah, I think even like with the New Japan clap crowds, I think that they very clearly show how you need to have a full range of emotions be able to be on display for the comedy to work because I love some Yano. I love me some Yano. I'm not a, a hater on Yano, but personally I don't feel like he works anywhere near as well in the pandemic era. You know, him having I don't think comedy matches should be long is another thing mm. um that we'll get to with one of the, you know, when this match wraps up. It's not a long match. Um I don't think, you know, 20 minute plus comedy matches really something <laughs> you can't you just can't keep the gag going that long i don't think i mean unless you're the stadium stampede right but that's a whole different <laughs> level of fish i mean um, i wrote that in i wrote that in my yeah. uh, g1 climax weekly review where there was talking about because I, I put in my top five matches i put kota Bushi versus yano mm-hmm. from kurok hall i put it in because it was five minutes and the entire premise was Tori Yano put a hood on Kota Ibushi and Kota Ibushi's entire G1 is teetering off the edge of the edge of a cliff while he's walking around blinded in a hood around ringside. <laughs> and Yano wraps him up in a burrito of the ringside apron. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. And as his G1's literally it is on the edge of a cliff right now. <laughs> yeah. But but it's five minutes. That's the big yeah. important thing uh, compared to, I think we're hinting at the match versus Chase Owens, which was like 25 minutes. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I yeah. do not want that. And, and yeah, this and match also falls into a nice little what, what like ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's just under fifteen minutes is what it what it comes in at. So I, I think the perfect sort of time for this, the sweet spot is, you know, you probably gotta go over five minutes, but you don't wanna be going more than fifteen minutes in a comedy match unless, you know, it's something completely exceptional and I haven't seen Apart from Stadium Stampede, which is a cinematic match, so I don't think it counts really. It's a completely different beast. I haven't seen, I haven't seen it work. Um, I think of thinking about the crowds, like the the importance of the crowd in a comedy match. I think is just like so heightened. I think of that gentleman Jarvis and Orange Cassidy match that I I spoke about before 
if the crowd's not bought in on the idea of like him falling asleep in a match and not wanting to be woken up so that he can get the roll up and the ref having to count quietly, you know, if the crowd's not bought in on that, it's, you know, it doesn't work. Or mm. another, another example, which is probably one of the more incredible and unique matches I've ever seen, um, the Invisible Man versus the Invisible Stan from Joey Janela's Spring Break. Yes. I mean, it relies on a, a, one of the most incredible ref performances ever by Bryce Randall. Oh, yes. The if Bryce you've never Randall seen this Bird. match, it, what, what Google it. It, it is, yeah. it is <laughs> so not, like, no hyperbole. I think it is probably the greatest refereeing performance I've ever seen because he <laughs> directs the action so well between two performers that aren't there. <laughs> uh, but... Also, the crowd has to be in on it, right? Because the crowd mm-hmm. is is following and reacting like they're there, and that has to be part of it. Like this is a a real case where the crowd, the match lives or dies on the reaction that the crowd has, and if the crowd doesn't get in on that, it, it doesn't. It just doesn't work at all, at all. And and in this match, the crowd playing along the way they do just elevates it so much. Um, rather than if it was even even just like a half-hearted reaction, um, it wouldn't be, you know, where they do chant along a little bit. But the fact they're so in on it, chanting, he will try, chanting, this is wrestling, like it, it just creates an atmosphere where this comedy can work uh, and where the character of Orange Cassidy can can emerge. And also when the, the big fire-up spots come, like the one you mentioned, where Cassidy having tricked and lulled Puck into lowering his defences and sort of playing along. He's clapping on the outside and, and like, he's pissed off, but he's clapping to sort of just, like, whatever. And then the minute, like, Pac takes his eye off the ball, springs up, flies across the ring at him, absolutely launches himself full body at Puck, and the crowd is on their feet. They completely buy into it. The true then, like, trade proper strikes in the middle, Orange Cassidy does put his hand in his pockets, hits the orange punch. He gets the slumdog millionaire and the crowd just absolutely lose it. Like they're going off, you know, at the same, maybe not the same level they did for the, uh, the tag match earlier in the night, but you know, it's comparable in that, like the, you can feel the, the energy in the atmosphere. Um, and then of course, to, to end the match, best friends interfere. The Lucha brothers run in to distract Bryce Rensberg and that gives Puck the chance to take down OC. And when Orange Cassidy is distracted by everything that's going on and lock in the brutalizer, get the win. Puck just cuts him off at the perfect moment each time in this match, I think. He's clearly the better wrestler, but OC just shows that he can hang at that highest level as well in this match. As I said, this match doesn't even go 15 minutes. Um, yeah, in, in our definitive match countdown, it beat out some absolutely giant matches like what we're doing next week, John Moxley versus Brody Lee. It beat out that, beat out all the Cody and Darby Allen matches. You know, this is some high profile series of matches, these guys that have happened in this organization. And yet this little 15 minute thing beat them out. Why why do you think this match is so beloved in the canon of AEW? I think part of it is when it's the first time in AEW that Orange Cassidy ever tried. <laughs> it's the first yep. time, really. Like, most of the fans didn't know his moveset. Mm. They didn't know his... Like, they knew what to chant to, they knew that. But the bigger audience, they're not like me. They, they hadn't watched Orange Cassidy in GCW. They didn't know what wrestling things he could actually do. <laughs> and you saw different, I guess, article writers across the wrestling spectrum... Just like, if this is him, I don't care. But those in the know, <laughs> those who have seen those Cassidy's, like, they trust us, this guy can explode. <laughs> it's some amazing wrestling. <laughs> and that's exactly what we got here. It was the first time on AEW he'd ever actually shown his moveset. And mm. the crowd reacting to that in, oh, holy crap, he can actually wrestle when he tries. <laughs> so that is yeah. a... I feel like that, that really elevated this match. The fact that they hadn't had him try before this night. So when he actually does, and he's got this whole arsenal of moves, you know, he can actually wrestle. <laughs> just like Yano. He's got a whole like a list of amazing moveset. He just doesn't use it. <laughs> he just doesn't yeah. use it. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls it out when he needs it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And this was the first time in AEW they ever did that. And the crowd reaction to it is amazing. It's fantastic. Uh, Pac kind of drawing it out of him over the course of the match really does give to that too. 
it you don't see it until there's that explosion. And there were little things like you do a few moves into a kip up, but the entire yep. point of those were he's got his hands in his pockets, look at him do these little moves and things. Yeah. Whilst this was evidently trying. First yeah. that, uh, and there was move after move, which was a big reaction from the crowd because they'd not seen it before. So they don't know what's going to score the pin. They don't know what. So, so every near fall is bought, which mm. just really lifts the final sequence. Yeah, and hadn't seen the fire ups before either, so that was new mm. to them. What did you think of the ending of the match? Personally, for me, it's perfect, especially in a match like this. Keep in mind, at the time, Pac is like a top guy. Best, he's not. He's not on the pay per views in the title matches, but regularly on TV, he's wrestling the top guys in the company. Then he has a little feud with Orange Cassidy, who's been the guy that is really over, but isn't really, he's not had a singles match yet. He's not tried <laughs> in any of the contests. And for me personally, that makes the result the perfect thing, because Orange Cassidy evidently tries, gets even more over in defeat, and Pac keeps to remain as like a top guy. Like, of course he beats Orange Cassidy. He got lulled into the tricks of, uh, of the Orange Juice Man, mm. but... Pack himself is like, no, once he clicked back into gear, yeah, he's going to lock in the brutalizer and this guy's not going to have a chance, mm. which was the absolute perfect booking. And the, just the hot fire of Orange Cassidy, the crowd buying every single four because they don't know what's going to get yeah. it. The biggest Superman punch pop I think I've ever heard. <laughs> he <Yeah>. pulls that out. <laughs> People on com- the, the commentary sold that incredibly well. Just like, what the hell was that? As Pack is then groggy on the ropes <laughs> after being Con- punched by it. Potentially controversial question. Does Orange Cassidy have the best Superman punch in wrestling? <laughs> well, I only know two people who do it. <laughs> so it's not... <laughs> I, I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Roman's uh, one of those people where he, uh, it's not his best move and he uses it as a setup. So I can't really, uh, <laughs> Cassidy's is, I'd say Cassidy's is better, but I reckon if Roman tried to use it for the same kind of rhythm that Orange Cassidy does in his yeah. matches, it probably would be pretty good. Yeah. It's just that he uses it as a setup. He uses it as a kind of like fight back type of thing. So not quite the same context. That's uh, that's not a Twitter answer. Twitter is yeah. good or bad. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be clipping that post. That's going to be the preview for the. Uh, <laughs> I think I like I like how Orange Cassidy uses it as it's always comes out of nowhere. It's not something he sets up, so you don't know that it's coming. And when he hits it, it's like yeah, wow, that Ooh. came out of nowhere. I also think. I like Orange Orange Cassidy's more not just because I'm a I'm a absolute AEW tragic that probably too does play into it. I think he's got a slimmer body so he can contort it a little bit more. Whereas Roman's a Roman's a big lad like he's a thick big lad so he doesn't you know get quite the contortion and air on it. So I, I just love how fully Orange Cassidy throws himself into it and throws himself into all these moves. You know, he's a slight lad, but he puts all of his body into it in a similar way that, you know, say Darby Allen or Sammy Guevara do, do like, you know, they're not big guys, but they're, they know how to throw all their body in a way that potentially others, you know, who are slightly bigger don't. Um, and without hesitation as well. Uh, with, with the ending, I, I didn't, the first time I saw this match, I didn't love that it, ended with like interference distractions but when i was re-watching it thinking about it as we said before the rhythm of the match is that park is in control and an orange cassidy is trying to distract him and get him off his game by you know lulling him into a false sense of security and then springing a trap right in the end what happens it's when orange cassidy gets distracted that Puck is able to take advantage. So it really, like, really, really puts Orange Cassidy over in that, like, Puck couldn't get the job done in a normal rhythm of a match. It took this interference to do that. Uh, and it does, it's a nice reverse play on the rhythm of the match that was happening earlier and, and going on up until the point that um, the best friends interfere and the Lucha Bros run in to, to chase them off and distract the referee and distract Orange Cassidy. So I, like I, when like when you're gonna do a thing, you can foreshadow, you can set it up. <laughs> it's this crazy concept. Yep. <laughs> just, yeah, just seeing them, it's like they're, they're, the whole rhythm of this match is gonna play off that first half of it, and yep. it's gonna bring it back yep. just on the reverse way. It's like yeah, pretty, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um. Now I already, as I said, we I already spoke to Rich about Pack in 
two weeks ago, and we were sort of talking about where Park's uh, in the AEW hierarchy, and, and he unfortunately, after this point, got stuck in the UK with COVID, and I feel like he has had a bit of a snake-bitten run, and we were sort of of the opinion that he he sort of hit his peak at this point uh, and hasn't been able to necessarily get there again. Not that he isn't, you know, someone that you can mm. immediately plug into a title feud, as they did at Double or Nothing just this year uh, in 2021. But he sort of hit his peak as a character at this point uh, and and within the organisation at this point. Uh, do you have any – would you would you agree with that? Would you have anything to say to the contrary? Yeah, he kind of feels – I guess the phrase would be upper mid-card, where he's bigger – he's not a mid-card guy. He's definitely above those, and he could easily dance with the main, main event lads, but he, he's not one of the top guys right now. Yeah. And he could easily elevate him to there, but he's not – there right now uh, if there's one good thing it was him cutting promos in foggy newcastle it is full oh, full king wanker <laughs> Just, it is, i loved his yeah. promos at this point his promos yeah, at this so point good. were incredible if there if there's one bright side to him getting stuck was then you didn't know where the promos would play because you just hadn't seen him and suddenly he got packing his full gear just in a dark freezing cold alleyway in his underpants <laughs> just <laughs> yeah just the, the training montages before the iron man match were incredible and then a few weeks after this one he had the <coughs> my favorite promo of his where he goes i'm a honey badger mate oh no you <laughs> yes. face off oh, incredible <laughs> incredible that's one of my favorite lines to this day like, i, oh, I, forgot about I the feel like i want to post it on twitter like <laughs> you know, i'm in an argument with someone <laughs> i want to channel that energy i think the two were the two ones that got the best reaction the honey badger line and the johnny big bollocks yeah. <laughs> oh the it was amazing seeing the american reaction to that line because that's just a common yeah. phrase over here <laughs> it's just a him doing uh, now, the thing that I'm still yet to understand um, with Orange Cassidy, uh, I think now is the time to bring it up because this, as we said, this was a match that was put in place to feature Orange Cassidy, to show where his position was in the company, to to show that he was going to be a really big part of this promotion going forward. What is the ceiling in AEW for Orange Cassidy? Because this is something I just don't know. I, I cannot see him being a champion, an AEW championship, like a an AEW heavyweight title weight holder. TNT, I just don't know. Like, is this a character that is at all motivated to to get belts? I know he had a match with Brody Lee for the TNT championship at one point, but yeah, I just, what do you think is the ceiling for this guy in the company? Especially if he doesn't change character. Because one thing with AEW is they have got arcs for people. So if, if he doesn't have any like core change to, it, to his character... I really don't see him being a title holder. And if he is, it's like for a week or something. Mm. Because that that ever didn't... Like, if he's TNT champion, he won't hold it for very long. Mm. Like, that kind of thing. But... But having said that, just sorry to cut you off, but having said that, a double or nothing this year, like, he was inches away. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like I was going with it. If he had won Mm. at that point, I wouldn't have questioned it. For me, the best way to maybe use him is a bit like Tommy Dreamer in the original ECW, where he never mm. got that top prize. He, he never Great won comparison. his few, like, especially against the like the big heels. The heels would always win, but he'd get over in defeat. I feel like Orange Cassidy is the perfect guy to book like that. He can be a top guy. He can be a featured attraction. He can be in main events, but he's not the guy who actually wins in the end. But that mm. helps get the support behind him, and that's the entire point. Yeah. Uh, of course, the big difference is ECW didn't actually last that long, and the likelihood would have been that one day Tommy Dreamer would have been champion. Mm. But by that point, you've seen a full character arc, and he's yeah. not the same guy he was like three, four years ago. So current Orange Cassidy, I think, main event guy, current attraction, but you Tommy Dreamer him. Yeah. But in like five years down the line, who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, Orange Cassidy isn't young. He's, I think he's 35 but his style, I mean, he's got the I mean, he style can, for protecting yeah. his body. Like he could, yeah. he could wrestle that style for a long time. Uh, the guy who always gets the Tommy Dreamer comparisons in AEW is Eddie Kingston, and for a good reason. Mm. Like there is a lot of parallels you can draw there. But you know, given that this is the the promotion for the you know the anxious millennial cowboys out there, um, I feel like 
Orange Cassidy is a great person to have as the sort of the spiritual Tommy Dreamer of AEW, if they choose to go that way. Mm. I would love to see like more of a development of his character. I'm not sure what that would look like, but he has sort of had a similar sort of style. You know, the the Chris Jericho feud was very similar uh, in that it was more pro- prolonged and they had multiple mm. matches, but it wasn't, um, you know, it was a similar sort of style and he, the character he, he showed was not drastically removed or anything from this maybe i'd love to see them put him through more trauma and i know that Mm. in the feud with miro and kip sabian they sort of did that you know you had chucky t having to be the butler and things like that but i'd love to see them maybe punish him a little bit more Uh, maybe a feud with mjf would be interesting and see how someone like MJF really puts the thumb on top of him and really turns the screws on his ca- on 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 him and we see what it looks like when not only does Orange Cassidy want to try but he wants to try and really knock your block off. Yeah, that, that that's something I'd like I'd like to see down the line and yeah, as I said, I think TNT Championship maybe. Yeah, I could see him getting it at some point if if need be. But who knows, you know, if, if they play their cards right. This guy is someone who has remained as over as this since. So, yeah. <laughs> my my last question, Imp, on this match. Uh, we, we sort of talked earlier about other comedy matches that AEW have done. Uh, I want to put the stadium stampede aside because I do think that's a completely different sort of deal. I don't know. It's difficult to compare, you know, this 45-minute cinematic epic against a thing that was less than 15 minutes uh, in the wash. Do you think this is the best comedy match that AEW have done? I'm trying to think of other ones that could be anywhere near it. Because, again, Orange, Orange Cassidy's like other feuds never hit this peak, if that makes sense. Because mm. he still made – he's got – his character's gotten more over. That stuff yep. has helped. But the actual, like, like match itself in terms yep. of if I'm going to starve it, of where I'm going to put it. I don't think any of – I mean – uh, it, it's certainly it better happens. than the um, Dustin versus Sean Spears match from twenty. Oh. From <laughs> oh, where, um, he had the he had the undies on with yeah. Tully on it and stuff. <laughs> he was doing the news things. We're like, where's this going? This is going somewhere interesting. This could lead to something. What's he going to do? And he comes out, and, who, and it's just I'm um, just like I'm. I'm so, I don't know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the um, the other other one which was a bit of a flop was the Big Swole versus Bit Baker. But again, it's in a dentistry one. That was a bit more different. Um, yeah. But the other ones that kind of compete with it aren't really comedy. Again, like Orange Cassidy wrestling Pack and Kenny Omega. That's mm. not there's comedy in it, but it's not a comedy match. And no. the same with um, the feud with Kip Sabian and Miro, where they had the kind of arcade stuff all set all over the place. Mm. That wasn't really a comedy match. So it's uh, and, and especially feud with Pride and Powerful as well. That mm. wasn't comedy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) the only one i could think of is jericho with the orange juice match which was just pure silliness but again it's definitely nowhere near this match Mm. so i i think in this low bar (laughs) i I don't think there is anything else near it well it's a low bar to be the best best, but it's still a damn good match like as we said earlier the contrast between these two characters is fantastic like just the straight the pure straight man like you could not get a better straight man than Buck from the from the ranks of AEW against you know this guy who's you know oh, actually I just remembered the first time we saw with with Brody Lee and Dark Order the first time we see them as a team all wrestling together and you've got the silly shenanigans of all the little people around him. You see the first time you see the fire from John Silver and Alex Reynolds together. Like the firecracker was silver, the first time that exploded. Yep. You see Eva Luno and Stu Grayson finally getting on that page. But Brody Lee's just shouting at them the entire time. Yep. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I don't know whether the class that was comedy. It was just, it was the dynamic between the team was really funny as we yeah. saw them click for the first time. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd put that one up there as well. Certainly, certainly not, not the one this level. This mm. one, yeah, this is rarefied air. Like, I cannot think of too many other comedy matches that I would put up alongside this one, um, inside or outside of AEW. Look, that's that's everything I've got to say about this match. Imp, we've sort of covered everything off. Was there anything you'd like to add there at the end? Um, if not, feel free to get your plugs in. 
I want to see Orange Cassidy versus Yano through the Forbidden Door. <laughs> <laughs> other people got other dream matches. I've got my own, dreams of my own. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to see. What Can you imagine? Was, wait, the, you know what mine would be? This is hmm. this is the only other person who is more of a straight man than Pac. Hmm. Orange Cassidy versus Minoru Suzuki. It was meant the to match happen. the pandemic oh, robbed us. Yes. <laughs> Can you oh, imagine the, just yeah. Orange Cassidy doing one of his shin kicks and then Minoru Suzuki just murdering him with one of his <laughs> <Yeah>. arms? <laughs> the strong style strike exchange. Oh, that's the biggest loss of the pandemic in terms of, in terms of wrestling matches that we didn't get to see. <laughs> that, that is, oh. you need to make sure there's a qualifier added on at the end there. <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that we. That it was meant to happen. I think it was yeah. WrestleMania weekend. It was meant to be like one of the GCW attractions. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and we lost it. Oh, that's. It's yeah, such no, a that shame. would be a, that would be Yano versus Orange Cassidy would be a hoot. That would be fantastic. I can, I I vouch for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he does his whole. The whole point of Yano is his opposition then really tries to get back in the ring and do something. But what do you do with Cassidy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing, Yano? Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. just laying in handcuffing and slowly realizing what's happened. It's like, what did you do that for? <laughs> you know, my favorite match, my favorite Yano matches are against Zack Sabre Jr., who is not that not that dissimilar mm. from Paco in the watch. You know, this British, yeah. arrogant, serious, real technical, absolute ass ask kicker. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I I think we'll wrap it up at that point. Mm. Give the good people your plugs. Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at the damn Impacat, the damn as in damn, and on Twitch over at the Implications with two S's. Uh, also, I a column write and uh, do the weekly AW and Raw reviews in both podcasts and video form on their YouTube channel for WrestlingHeadlines.net. Uh, every week I suffer through Raw, and then I really happily review a great wrestling show every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can catch me there. Uh, also. I'm currently covering the G1 Climax. Uh, I don't, I think it'll be over by the time this one comes out, if I can figure out time. Yeah, this will be it'll be way up, well over. Yeah, it'll be yeah, most it'll likely. be wrapping up. <laughs> I mean, I doubt you can release multiple weeks of episodes within one week. <laughs> yeah, it'll come really finished. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can always yeah. find the archives on Wrestling Headlines. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'll be that. I'm writing that with uh, Jeremy Donovan of the Keeping It Strong Style podcast this year. Sam's my normal uh, normal guy. We kept the same format, but this time I'm the one posting it, so I need to do more effort. <laughs> <laughs> that realization every week I turn up to the G1 Climax review. Sam's got the Word document all ready. He always said, "Don't worry, don't worry, Matt. I'll post it. I'll post it." <laughs> Not this year. If I don't do it, the washing doesn't get done. <laughs> That's what's- that's what your mum always told you. <laughs> anyway, look, thank you very much for for having, thank you for coming on today. You'll be coming back in a couple of weeks' time to do a, another match of a very different tone. We'll review, we'll reveal that later. Um, but next week, if you join us, we'll be doing John Moxley versus Brody Lee. Um, so make sure you you tune in for that. You can find me on Twitter, Sir underscore Samuel, um, and you can listen to all of the great podcasts on the Social Super X Podcast Network. Thank you very much for listening today, and I will see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the AEW Match Guide Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to let me know on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. I'd love to hear from you. The AEW Match Guide podcast is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW, but all parts of the world of professional wrestling. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown.